Today, uh, we're going to finish this series that we've been doing on life. And um, this, this is things that Proverbs says. This is how life works. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, we started this two-week thing on friends. And some of you are saying, man, how can you talk so much about friends? Because friends are vital to us. And, and l- let me just go into this and explain to this. Some of you right now have major scars in your life looking back because of the friends you hung out with. Just to get an idea, how many of you could say there was a time in my life where I got off track or did something dumb because of a friend? Raise your hand. Okay, now we're going to ask another question. How many of you say there was a time in my life where somebody else got off track because I was that dumb friend? Raise your hand. Okay. Whoa, there was more hands on that. The altars should be more full than they are on Sundays, people. You know, it's, you look back and you think, wow, how did I ever get to the point where I, I was willing to try that or do that or say that? Or how did I pick up on that habit in my life? And you realize, wow, that's right, because I was hanging out with so-and-so. I would have never been arrested. I would have never got hooked on this. I would have never went out with that girl if it wasn't for the influence of that person. That's why this is so important. The Bible talks a lot about friendship, a lot. And so I, w- I want to just recap a little bit and just go back. And uh, Number one, I, w- I want to tell you that some facts about friendship, they're vital. So never anybody say, well, this isn't a big deal. Last week, and I'll get into it again, when Jesus said, I call you my friends. There's an important thing. If Jesus did it, so should we. So don't write this off and say it's not a big deal. In the Bible, we see a lot of influential people, David and Jonathan and Paul and Silas and Naomi and Ruth, and we could go on and on. Friends are vital. Number two, godly friends that make you better are developed. You sit there and say, well, I have no friends. and Well, you're not developing friendships, and we're going to talk about that today. A man that has friends must show himself friendly. If you're not showing yourself friendly, then by default, you have no godly friends. Number three, they are few. Jesus had the crowd. Jesus had the twelve. Jesus, then we notice in the darkest spots of his life, he had Peter, James, and John. He wasn't playing favorites. And we're going to get into that a little bit this morning. A lot of people talk about that idea. Well, there's cliques. There ought to be people connected in the body of Christ. And understanding what that means, it's important. And they were faithful. Godly friends are faithful. The Bible says, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We, we, we define a, 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 a true friend. A true friend is someone connects. And we use Jesus Christ as the example. There was a physical connection. They fed the 5,000. They preached. They went through the cities. They traveled. They did those things. But then there was an emotional connection. Jesus looked at the disciples and said, I love you. Love others the way that I have loved you. There there was an emotional connection there. A lot of times in churches, we miss out on a lot because we don't have those connections with other people where we drop our our guards and say, hey, listen, I need you. I'm scared. Or how about this? I'm slipping. I need you. But you're not going to have that if you don't have that connection. And then there was a spiritual connection. We see, he said, I've done all this so you can bear fruit. You know what fruit is? The things that God has stirred up in their life was coming out of their life. You know who a godly friend is in your life? You can say, well, I got lots of friends. That guy that's trying to convince you to go drink a beer with him after work is not a godly friend. That person that's telling you you'd be better off doing this or better off getting hammered or better, they're, they're not a godly friend. Friends will make you better. A true friend carries 
Peter, James, and John were taken to the garden into the darkest part of Jesus' life. And he asked them, will you stay with me? Will you pray with me? Will you watch with me? You know what he's saying? Will you go through this with me? You can sit there and say, well, Peter, James, and John could never bear the sins of the world. You're right. But could stand next to him and, and pray with him as he went through that. And a true friend confronts. I, I want to stop for just a minute make sure we get this. See, when Jesus went back and Peter was sleeping, Jesus called him out. True friends care more about your future than they do about your feelings. Do you guys get that? Do you know how often we find out that a friend is doing self-harm to themselves or they're, do- they're going down a dark path and you sit there and say, well, I don't, I don't want to make them mad at me. I'd rather make them mad than stand at their casket. Guys, this is serious stuff. Every person in here knows somebody that has been through something very dark. And what did you do? And this mindset that it's none of my business or I don't want to get my hands dirty. Thank God Jesus was willing to get his hands dirty for us. And you know what I mean by him saying that. The fact that he bore our sins and he went to the cross and he was willing to call them out because he loved them. You confront. It is your business. We're friends. That's what God's called us to do. But you say, oh, this, this is great. So you say, I don't even have that in my life. Hey, Pastor, that's great. But I don't have that. You know what we do? Sometimes we just throw a little pity party. We'll sit off to the side and be in there like, well, if everybody cared about me that way and everybody else has friendships, and not me, you know, we, we don't understand how they're developed. Un- unfortunately, it's not going to happen just because you're whining in the lobby. Everybody's going to be like, I want to be your friend. It doesn't work that way. People aren't just going to come out. How do, you, how do you develop friendships like this? I've said it before, it doesn't just happen. Proverbs gives us the instructions, and I'm going to use this as the springboard of Proverbs like we've done through this whole thing. Proverbs 18.24. A man that hath friends. Now there's a word in there that you must understand. It is the word must. M-U-S-T. A man that has friends must so, it's, so whatever I'm going to say after this, you've got to understand that there's no way that you're going to have friends unless you do what Jesus said is the must. You have to do this, thus saith the Lord God Almighty. There's no back way into this. God said that he that hath friends must show himself friendly. And I'm going to tell you what you're going to get from that. You show yourself friendly to people. You will find that there will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Have you ever wondered why the Bible says that? Do you realize that brothers are something that when you're born into that family, you're stuck with them whether you like it or not? Can I get a witness right there? There, there is nothing. You're, you're, you're going to move. And the brother is saying, you know, I got to go help my brother move because, you know, I'm his brother. And mom will get on to me if I don't show up to help him. They get into financial situation. Guess who's the first person they call? Hey, you're my brother. You need to be there for me. But you see, friendship is different than that. Friendships show up because they want to be there, not because they have to be there. There's a friend that's sticking closer than even that brother. It's not mom calling them up or you feeling obligated. They're showing up because of the fact that they genuinely love you. How do you get that? I'll tell you, I want that. I'll be honest, I do have that. I, I can praise the Lord for that without a doubt. 
The biblical principle here is be the type of friend that you want to be your friend. The greatest lesson we can learn from Jesus about friendship is that the essential quality in the heart of a friendship is not the desire to have friends, but the desire to be a friend. That, that goes, that's count completely flipping everything that we know about it. We sit there and say, well, they should do this, they should do this, and Jesus turned around and says, no, I'm going to go be this, I'm going to go be this. It's what Jesus was doing, not what Jesus was saying. I've been using this example of uh, Jesus in the inner three and Peter, James, and John and the friendship that they've had. And if you missed last week, I, I want to read this because I'm going to use this as the part of the foundation again. John 15, 13. He say, does the Bible talk about friendships? Absolutely. Listen to this. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. Can you imagine Jesus saying that? Oh my goodness, that's so cool. And Jesus said, ye are my friends. Listen, if you do whatsoever I've commanded, henceforth I call you not servants. There is a transition that's about to happen in this passage. He said, from here on out, he said, I'm not going to call you my servants. It's not just people that I'm going to walk through life together. We're not just doing things. We're not just attending church. We don't just claim the same family. We don't, we don't. Henceforth, I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what the Lord doeth. The servant doesn't know the inner parts of that person. And Jesus said, but you guys know my hearts. But I have called you friends. It's Jesus. I call you friends. Guys, there, there's been a, tra a transformation in this relationship. There's been something that's happened in there. I call you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Let's pray. Father, as I share these two important steps or points, Lord, help us to get them. Lord, I know this is practical. I know it's important. But Lord, I also feel that there's probably a lot of people in this room right now that could not say that they have this type of friendship. And Lord, I fear for them when they go through a dark time in their life. I fear for them when they get off track. Lord, my, my heart breaks for them when they get to a discouraging point and they walk out and nobody notices because they've not been connected to anybody. So Lord, help us to take this very serious. And Lord, help us to make application, not just be hearers of the word, but doers as well. We pray this in your name. Amen. So how do you get to this point? I go back to the beginning of Matthew 4.18 and I, I've taught this, I actually taught this verse when I was going through discipleship. And I want you guys to know that what we're talking about today is actually kind of part of discipleship. And Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. They were servants. Okay, let's put it like that. I'm not going to call you fishermen anymore. I'm not going to call you servants anymore. Well, this is the very beginning of that connection before they were, I will lay down my life for you. It started right here. You know that every single relationship here has a starting point. Every relationship. Unless you just grew up with them from the fact that you were born into the family and you're best friends with your mom or sister. Or whatever. But most of the time, every relationship has a starting point. This is Jesus reaching out to people that he did not know. Now, I love the end of it. Peter is saying, Lord, I'd rather die than let you be crucified. Lord, I'll draw out the sword and I'll defend you. 
Lord, I'll stand in Acts chapter 2 and I'll, I'll preach the gospel. And you say, how do I get that? You go back to the beginning. Here's, here, here's what we learn from Jesus. Jesus purposefully connected to people. That is what it's talking about, that you must show yourself friendly. We cannot live our lives with blinders. We cannot do church with a mindset that we're just going to get in and out. Please don't do this. Just out of curiosity, don't raise your hand on this. But I wonder how many of you have been hurt before in church by other people. Don't raise your hand. And what we do, we, 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 we back up. I'm not going to get close to anybody. Honey, I'm going to go to that church, and the last thing that I want to do is get close to that family like where we were before because I still have the knife in my back. I'm not going to drop my guard because I confess something very intimate to that person, and they let me down. So, honey, the Bible says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, so we're going to go to church because I don't want God mad at me. But when we get there, we're going to walk in like this. And we're going to sit down and we're not going to engage in people because somebody's going to ask us to go to lunch or somebody's going to want to go to a birthday party or whatever. We're going to get in and get out. We cheat ourselves from what God has intended for us to have. You guys realize what Jesus was doing, he was intentionally going to people that they might not even have been engaged in. And Jesus was walking up and tapping them on the shoulder and saying, hey, come in here. You know why? Because God had a friendship in mind down the road. Something was going to change in their life. Peter had no idea what was about to happen when he said, okay, I will go with you. I, I got the privilege of speaking in uh, starting point this morning and I bring this verse up a lot. I bring it up a lot in here, in Hebrews 10, 25. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Some of you can teach this as well as I do because I, I say it all the time. And I, I want that to be the truth. That is the verse that we throw up in anybody's face why they should go to church. They, they will say, well, I can just worship God at home. You can, but you can't do it with other people. And the body of Christ is being together with one another, ourselves coming together. And God said, don't forsake that. And everybody will get on board and preach that and say, you need to go to church. You need to go to church. You need to be there. And I tell everybody, okay, but why? Why? So you back up to verse 24. You, you just back up one verse. And you know what it says? Before it says, why you come together? Because you let us consider one another to provoke one another to do good works. So the word consider means to invite or invoke. It means to pray. It means to, it means to pull them near. It means to discover. That, that's what the Greek word there. God said, hey, we come together to take off the blinders. Do you guys get that? This wound that you had where I don't want to make friends and I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get connected and everything. These are not from God. And if there's been hurts and pains and frustration in the past, God will help you through them. But these things do not come from God to sit there and I'm not going to, I'm not going to get connected again. I'm not, I'm not going to connect like that again. I'm not getting hurt again. You know why Satan loves for us to believe that? Because he does not want you connecting to something that you need. I said, man, I can't believe it's Sunday morning. We're talking about friends. Yeah, because friends will make you or break you. 
You know why I push and I love our teen department so much? Because right now I want our kids coming together in an environment that they are there to provoke one another to do the right things. That's why I said, let us take notice of one another. So it's not a matter of coming in like this, but it's a matter of coming in like this. I'm looking around and say, hey, Greg, how are you doing this morning? Man, it's been a while since we've connected. Now, now that's not to say that if I, if I walk up to Kim that we're going to be best friends just because I connected to her. But I tell you, along the way of life, all of a sudden people that have things in common begin to connect like that. All the people that Jesus reached and connected to, he had Peter, James, and John that were there with him because of Jesus connecting to them. Notice here's the things that Jesus did. Jesus reached out. I'm going to tell you guys right now, we've got to learn to reach out. The reason why Jesus went to them and Peter, James, and John doing their thing. And somebody standing there saying, I know the truth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And God walking around, he knew that. And Jesus reached out to them. Went to Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, and all the way down. Reached out to them. I'm going to ask you guys right now, who have you reached out to? Have you ever noticed that a lot of this almost sounds like evangelism? It's a discipleship, all this, because it's all connected. It's all part of this. The reason that we're, we're not to walk alone through life, we're not to do life alone. He said, let us consider, let us make notice of people. They were fishers doing their thing. And Jesus shows up that day to show himself friendly. Do you guys realize that the greatest friend you will ever might have in your life could be sitting in this room right now but you've never taken the time to connect to them this is all biblical part of fellowship you know I, I i love the things that we do and guys let me tell you we do things to try to get people to connect through the dinner dinner show and the church picnic and after church today we have a thing you know we're, we're bringing everybody back to the fellowship hall whoever will go back there we're having a fiesta i want you to be part of the fiesta and the whole thing that we're doing is go from sitting there looking at me to walking around talking to other people because there's somebody in there that needs you. There's somebody in there that you need. That's what God commanded. You need this. You will go through hardships. You will go through valleys. Jesus knew what was coming for them, but he connected with them before they got there. I know people get hurt, but let me remind you that church is not a program it's not a program. Jesus reached out to them. Secondly, Jesus reached into them. Later, a couple of verses, Matthew 5, 1, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. When he was set, his disciples came unto him. You can imagine Jesus sitting there and the disciples come unto him. You know what Jesus begins to do? He begins to take what he's learned in his life and begin to invest time in them, little by little, word by word, fact by fact. It's what we do. Every single one of us, when we sit there and we think that relationships is all about taking, and that's what we do. I need a friend because i got to move next weekend. Are you my friend? Come help me move next weekend. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I need a friend. Well, what, what do you need? I need five bucks. Can you give me a loan? Most of our friendships are selfish. They are. I need you to be there because and you, I thought you were my friend. You realize that everything that Jesus did to develop friendships is he was giving and investing you know, one of the things that we struggle with most in life today is time. We don't have time for people. We don't have time for relationships. Until we're going through a crisis and then all of a sudden people don't have time for you. Because you never had time for them. 
the whole principle that Jesus was doing is he would stop and he would sit and he'd say, guys, come sit down right here. And he'd begin to love on them and exhort them, which means to call near and invest in them, begin to teach them. By Matthew 6, 9, when Jesus was sitting down with them, he said, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Peter, James, and John are sitting there going, so that's how you pray. And all of a sudden, that person was closer to God and closer to Jesus because of that friend investing in them. The people that mean the most to you are the people that invest in you. Have you ever noticed that? The people that have changed your life, that school teacher, that parent, that uncle, that best friend through your life. And I think one of the biggest problems that our generation faces is we rush through time and we have no time for people. In Revelation 3.20, when Jesus talks about our relationships, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. I'll sup with him and he with me. Meaning that I'm just going to stop. Going to stop for you. I want to sit with you. I want to talk to you. If you desire to have godly friendships, you must purposely connect with people. And if you walk in and walk out and you go through life and you never connect with people, you are missing out on what we're saying. Here's the second thing and we'll be done. You must purposely connect. You must selflessly care. We have such a selfish motive in everything that we do. So I'm going to confess something to you that I don't know if I've ever told you guys this story or whatever through all these years. But when I was 14, I, I fell in love. And Jenny, Jenny knows this story a little bit. But uh, don't get jealous, babe, I promise. I completely, Pastor Dave can tell you, when I was 14 years old, I completely fell in love with this girl. I mean, completely. I was like so infatuated with this girl. She was 21 and I was 14. And uh, I, I thought she was a supermodel. Here, here I am in like, uh, like seventh, eighth grade. Don't do the math on that. I can't remember. But it was like 14, seventh, eighth grade. Whatever I was. I don't remember. I was, and, and I remember going to her college graduation. And she had a little brother that was the most annoying dude ever. Drove me nuts. His name was Tommy. And I, I remember nobody else in the youth group or whatever wanted to spend the night at his house, wanted to hang out with him or whatever. Tommy became my very best friend. <laughs> and I'd literally, he'd say, you want to spend the night? I was like, is your sister home? <laughs> I was like, you want to go out to eat with us? I was like, is your sister going? You know, I just, I'm just curious, you know. I, I just wanted to hang out. You're way better, baby. I, I promise you. There's, she doesn't. There's no way to tell these stories, but I, I, I got wise and grew up and got the woman of my dreams. But all the whole time, everything that I did, just being honest, was selfish. And so often in life, we, we go through life with completely selfish. And when they don't meet what we want them to do in our life, we cut them off and label them as a bad friend. Here's the truth. You're the bad friend. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't be there for you. Yes, but let me tell you what happens when you develop a friendship. They'll be there for you. They'll stick closer than a brother because of the relationship that you already have. Not the manipulation that you're trying to create. You see, within this storyline, Jesus said in John 15, 12, when we were talking about that, he said, you have love one to another and greater love hath no man than this. Listen to this, that a man does what? Lays down his life. 
lays down his life for his friends. Yeah, that's a concept that I tell you, when we finally get it, it will change every relationship that we have. And all of a sudden, you're showing up in hospital rooms, and you're, you're showing up at their doorstep, and you find out they're going through a hard time. And you say, hey, I'm busy. We're all busy. Jesus, Jesus came to say, I have come to serve you. On his way out, he, he got on his knees, and he served them. I can't describe the loyalty, the friendship, the connection than people have when you turn around and not make it about you, but you make it about others. Do unto others as you have them do unto you is what Jesus said. You say, well, I want, I want, I want. Then God said, then you do, you do, you do those things. Not just ask for those things. I remember this story that reminded me in this Matthew 14, 24, and we're just walking through all the way getting back to the garden. If you walk back in Matthew 14, 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea. Do you know who was on that ship? Peter, James, and John. And let me tell you where they were at in this story. They were going through a storm. For the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them. I know I've preached this. I've taught it. I've got, I, I, I actually I, I have a message that I've done probably from every angle about this story. But can I remind you that those people were Jesus' friends? And Jesus' friends were in the middle of that darkness, in the middle of a storm. And here comes Jesus showing up in the middle of their storm. Now something begins to happen that I started realizing in this, that Jesus not only showed up in the middle of the storm, Jesus showed up in the middle of their pain and their problems. I'm telling you how to develop true, authentic, godly, loyal friendships that stick closer than a brother. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were troubled and said, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. People and life everywhere will go through storms in the middle of it. And they cried out for fear, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And there was the friend. Can I be honest with you guys and just be transparent right here? Is there a lot of people in this room right now? There's probably 500 to 550 in this room right now, up and down. You can't be a friend to every person in this room like we're talking about. You can't show up in the middle of every storm. And you can't walk on water, by the way, just in case you're wondering that. (laughs) But the principle is still this. There's going to be friends that at the beginning of that connection, guess what? If I was to go up a couple of verses, Jesus knew that they were going to be there because they were already connected. Do you guys get it? Jesus knew where they were and the fact that they were in the storm because Jesus was with them before they got in the boat. Jesus was with them before they got in the storm. Right now in your life, if you're not making connections, you will have no one showing up for you in your storm. And people sit there and say these crazy things. The church should have been there for me. These walls will never show up in a hospital. These chairs will never walk through your house and make you a meal. But the people sitting next to you can. So every time you say the church should whatever, remember the church is people. 
And by the way, the church is not a pastor. It's not a staff. It's not just deacons and it's not just leaders. It's people. The reason why that passage said, let us consider one another. It means that we're all in this together. And Jesus shows up in the middle of their fear, in the middle of their trembling, in the middle of their chaos. Jesus was there. And Jesus says in the middle of that, he calls out to them. Jesus constrained the disciples before that to get there. Here's the second thing we see in this verse is Jesus showed up in, in their fears and their failures. Not just in their problems, but in their fears and their failures. Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come out on the water. And he said, come. And Peter came out down out of the ship and he walked on water to go to Jesus. You know who Peter was? Peter was part of the inner three. Peter was the one that got closer to Jesus. Peter was the one sitting out there going, that's not just Jesus, that's my friend. And Jesus is on the other side of it, challenging his faith, saying, hey, I know things aren't good, and I know this looks crazy right now, but Peter, you're going to get through this. In fact, God's going to teach you something through this. Get out of the boat and come to me. Peter gets out and walks on the water. You know what the principle is? Friends ought to make each other better. Friends ought to push you past your limits. Friends ought to challenge you in the midst of your storm not to give up, but get closer to Jesus, not further from Jesus. Is that the kind of friend you are? Where you show up in the middle of the storm and say, it's not as bad as it looks, and I know things are bad, but I'm here. That's what a friend does. Jesus showed up and called out to him in the middle of it, provoking him to do what? To love and good works, which is the commandment of the church. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stood there and said, I told you so. You should have listened to me, Peter. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and he caught him. It's Peter's fault. It's Peter's fault. You need this right now. Because I'm in a better position than you are, Peter. What kind of friend are you? Sit there and say, well, it's none of my business. And here, it's, it's not my fault that he got there. And you know what? I'm busy and all this. You know, Jesus is there. Ready for this. You know why we don't have the connections that we have or people go through those dark storms and all of a sudden they're casualties and we're standing around asking the question, where did they go? Whatever happened to so-and-so? Whatever, ha I remember because they never got connected. They never had anybody in the midst of the storm. They never had anybody reaching out to them when they needed it. You know, I love this in the middle of this when they get on the boat. You know what Jesus says to them? Oh, thou a little faith. Do you know why? Because faithful are the wounds of a friend. But at the same time, he didn't sit there and say, oh, thou little, little faith. Jesus sat there and caught him first to pull him where he should be to get him on the right track. And by the way, God, he does say on the right track. Even after Peter fails Jesus and he runs out and he goes back to, to fishing, you know what Jesus does? He shows up on the shoreline saying, hey, did you catch any fish? And God restores him again. Let me just put it like this. A man that has friends that are going to go with him through the storm. 
A man that has friends that is going to call them out and make them better. A man that has friends that's going to sit there and invest in them to teach them the word of God and provoke them to do love and good works must be that type of friend. And you'll never have that type of friend until you learn to be that type of friend. That's what Proverbs is saying. 